0: All right, let's try this again. Let's try this again. We're having some technical difficulties tonight. So hey there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Unlikely Allies. I'm Jamie. This is my co-host, Michelle, and we met through some unlikely circumstances. I was married to an abusive monster for 17 and a half years, only to find out deep into the marriage that my ex-husband is a diagnosed narcissist and sex addict. We divorced after years of his habitual infidelity, verbal, emotional, financial, physical, and sexual abuse of my children and I, and multiple arrests for sex crimes and child abuse. Michelle, on the other hand, believes that she was in a relationship with a good, honest, loving, and compassionate man for two and a half years after a previous marriage that involved abuse. She thought she'd finally struck gold with her boyfriend and allowed him to move in with her and her children, and they were building a life together. Until one day, And you guessed it, it was the same man. So together we have formed an unlikely friendship. We've joined forces and we use that trauma to advocate for survivors of narcissistic abuse and domestic violence. So learn from us the signs that we miss, what we do differently, and to get some great tips on battling the legal system with an abuser. You can find us here on Spotify, Apple, and other podcast platforms, TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram, where we've built a healing community for survivors to share without fear. And with that, Michelle is going to give you a little bit of disclaimer
1: to keep in mind while listening. Yes, thanks. All right. So, our podcast um, is definitely explicit. We discuss our experiences with a diagnosed narcissist and sex addict. We talk about sensitive topics that may trigger or offend someone. We discuss discuss graphically different types of abuse and those specific instances that led to his multiple charges in two virginia counties this content is not suitable for children explicit descriptions are given as experiences are recalled and discussed so with that let's jump right in
0: all right and tonight's topic we are going to be talking about stalking and protective orders and this the the whole process that both of us had to go through in order to get a protective order granted. Um, Now, this is for Virginia only. Your laws may vary state to state, but this is both of our experience here in Virginia in two separate counties. So I guess I will get started since uh, timeline wise, I was the one that had to get a protective order first. Um, So I've mentioned on here before, I had kicked my ex-husband out after he had been arrested for sexual battery um, where he had gotten involved with an inmate at the jail that he worked at as a corrections officer. Legally, an inmate cannot consent, so that was definitely a crime, and he was arrested for it, and that was the end of a long trail of shit that he'd done that i finally had enough and i was like you know what i'm done get the hell out so he went to go live with his mother he had what i refer to as a narcissistic collapse and a lot of abuse victims and survivors go through this because it is the most dangerous time when you're involved with an abuser is when you're trying to leave or trying to get them to leave so After I kicked him out, he went to go live with his mother. Um, That's when the threats started and got increasingly worse. He started to threaten to call the police on me um, and lie to them about things that I had done. He threatened to call CPS on me to try and get the kids taken away from me. Not because he wanted custody of the kids or he wanted extra time with the kids or anything like that. It was strictly to hurt me. And in doing so, he didn't care what happened to the kids. Right. He, he yeah. And so when I wasn't falling for the threats, he started ramping it up and started appearing at um, the house in the middle of the night, demanding things from the house. He would do this in front of the children. They would be upset. Again, he didn't care. He was enraged that he had lost control over me and he was out to hurt me in any way possible. That culminated into me getting a telephone call from my 16-year-old while I was driving home from work that my ex-husband had come over to the house when I wasn't home against the boundaries that had been set, forced his way into the home, and assaulted my 16-year-old. At that time, he was arrested, and since he was out on bond for his previous charge, they ended up holding him and remanding him. Prior to that, I wasn't able to get a protective order, even though I had tried, because there was no active threats made against me. Um, Technically, even though his name wasn't on the mortgage, he had lived there, and even though he left the home, there was like no eviction notice or anything like that. It was very difficult for me to even say, you know, like, yeah, he's showing up and he wants his stuff. They're like, well, give him his stuff or whatever. And so I was unable to get a protective order until he assaulted our child. Once he was arrested for that, they they kept him in jail. Um, I had to go down to the courthouse the next day with my 16 year old to file for a protective order through juvenile domestic relations court. It was difficult. Because my child had literally just been so traumatized by being assaulted by their own father and having to just immediately jump into action, start going to court, my child having to go in front of a judge to say what happened previously the day before, it it was just, it was very traumatic on my kid. And I am grateful that we had a, a, a good judge that allowed me to speak for my child because my child was unable to speak during that court proceeding um they kind of like froze shut down because it's intimidating you're going before a judge um Mm -hmm. in a huge courtroom and you know this is like it's it's very intimidating for a 16 year old child
1: yeah i can imagine
0: but the thing that was just mind-boggling to me i was able to apply for the protective order but technically it had to be my 16 year old that applied for it. Not me, because I was not at home at the time of the assault. I was able to help fill out paperwork and I was listed as next friend on the paperwork. But my child had to be the one to actually technically apply for it. And because my other children were at home at the time of the assault, the protective order was able to be granted on them. But it was not able to be extended to me because I was not home and my ex-husband had made no threats towards me directly. And he had not physically touched me at that time. So that just in general, it's, it's like the court system re-victimizing someone who has just been through one of the most traumatic experiences of their life.
1: I completely agree. That's so it's a sad. lot, and yeah, and it happens
0: all too often. It happens all too often, and it puts so much pressure on my sixteen-year-old, who honestly had already been through so much trauma and abuse from my ex-husband that I feel like my my kid lost a lot of their childhood years. And then when you add this extra pressure, all of a sudden this 16-year-old is having to go before a court and act as an adult in a very adult situation when it's unfair to them. Mm -hmm. And, And it happens so often to children. And then the fact that because I didn't have a direct threat towards me, even though there was a reported history of him showing up, um, of him having prior criminal behavior, him being out on, on bond on his previous charge. But because he didn't physically touch me and because he didn't verbally threaten me, I could not get a protective order. Even though clearly this man had escalated towards violence and had zero qualms about physically assaulting their own child. So why the hell would that anything stop him from physically assaulting me? Exactly. And so, you know, we went through this whole process and and the court process and everything, and they did grant it on all four children. And here in Virginia, they grant it when they say lifetime, they mean two years, which is not a lifetime. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I don't know what they think is going to change in two years amount of time. Um, for most people who have stalking behavior, this is a definite pattern of theirs. It's not going to change as we've obviously seen, but it's, it's not going to change. They're not going to start suddenly gaining a conscience or realizing that they're in the wrong And they are just going to continue with this behavior with different victims. Yep. So when we did get the protective orders, again, they were granted for two years. And while he was in jail, when he had all the time in the world to just fuck with me, to hurt me, um, he appealed the protective order on the younger kids when it came up in court and my attorney presented it to me which i have used um i i was able to um get approved to use legal aid so i did not have to pay for my attorney um when he decided to appeal i was told by my attorney he has no problem keeping the restraining order or the protective order with your oldest child together but He wants the other kids. He wants to be able to contact the other kids. And in my mind, I was like, wow. So because you assaulted your child and we stood up against you, we didn't back down. We called the police. We had you arrested and we are going through with the prosecution. You're willing to just throw that child away and not the others. Mm. and it absolutely just again sit completely wrong with me and in addition to the whole reason why i know he appealed it was because again it was about control he wanted to hurt me and he didn't care that the children were suffering in the meantime so we had to go back to court and i i <laughs> I had to bring my 16-year-old and my 12-year-old to court with me, because they were gonna have a hearing to discuss it. The reason that they were doing so with my 12-year-old is because my 12-year-old witnessed the assault. And they were saying that the protective order with my 14-year-old and my 10-year-old, because they didn't see the assault happen, those protective orders were dropped and he was allowed to have contact with them. Mm. And with my 12 year old, he was fighting against it. And I did not want to make my 12 year old have to testify against his own father. Yeah. Because I knew we already had to do it going forward with trial and I was trying to mitigate some of the damage. So we were at the courthouse and you know, I had the, the kids were all dressed up cause I've always made, you know, you want to make a good impression in front of the judge and everything. Yeah. And my attorney came over and asked me, she said, are you willing to amend the protective order with L to have contact that is supervised? I E he can send a letter. I would be able to read it or He could have a phone call as long as it was on speaker. And because Mm. I knew that he didn't actually want access to the kids. Right. I said, okay, because it would make it so that my child didn't have to go in and testify. And I didn't want him to be intimidated prior to the actual trial itself that we were in the process of preparing for. So I did agree to that. So in the end, I wasn't able to keep the protective order on two of the kids. I had a modified protective order against one and I had the full protective order for the one who was assaulted. And Um, as we've seen, like I mentioned just briefly, the pattern of behavior is there. The behavior doesn't change and he'll continue to do it. Because after he was released from jail, after he took the plea deal and everything like that, he was released from jail and the protective orders were still in effect. I was living with another man at the time and he started stalking right away again. I was told because he didn't come on the property, just put stuff in the mailbox that I, it wasn't violation. And then when we found out that he tried to break in Um, because one of our children were sleeping in the living room at the time, and heard him trying to break in, woke up screaming, and he ran. We didn't have it on video. Therefore, there was nothing they could do, and it wasn't a violation. And so now it has been five years this Sunday. And... The protected, there are no more protective orders because again, in Virginia, it's only two years. If we had wanted to extend it for my uh, now 21 year old who was 16 at the time, we would have had to go back to court. And to be honest, even at 18, um, they were still very traumatized and having to try and go back into court again to face their abuser it was too much. So we let it drop.
1: Understand Because it was just too much.
0: Yeah. So unfortunately, the system hasn't worked in our favor, at least for my family. Um, it really hasn't worked in our favor, even though there is a long withstanding history with him. He still is able to get away with this behavior with very little to no consequences. So that was my side of it. And then you had a completely different side of it to where you were able to get a protective order for yourself, but not your children.
1: Right. Um, Different in a lot of aspects with me, but also similar in a lot. Okay. So when I filed police report, there wasn't enough evidence with anything yet. So I was advised by the office and to file for the protective order, but it wasn't granted. I was told, you know, even with his history of violence already, that because he had not been physically violent to me and because he hadn't threatened me, you know, the sorry, there's nothing we can do to help you. I wasn't able to get the protective order until the current charges were filed. So by then that was the third police report and it would only cover me. It wouldn't cover the kids or the household. Right. Because he didn't make any threats towards them.
0: Correct. And when he was trespassing and um, you know, the property damage, I believe, wasn't it just only on your vehicle and not your children's? Right. Yeah. I'm wondering now that like, if it had been on one of your kids' vehicles, if they would have been able to get one, I'm not sure. I don't know.
1: I don't know either.
0: I don't know. Um, but even that day when I went for those of you who don't know um the day that michelle and i finally met in person was when she had her court date to get the protective order and i went with her to support emotional support friendship things of that nature um yeah,
1: for the extension
0: yeah to make it yeah permanent. you went to the primary like the three day or you had i think it was yeah. granted for like two weeks and then you had to go back yeah
1: oh yeah 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 that's um right. yeah
0: yeah, so that's the one I went with you. It was after it had been two weeks, and you were applying for the quote quote permanent one that only lasts for two years. Yeah, and um, that was the first time I had seen him again, um, since I since he had left uh, Stafford and moved in with you. I I hadn't seen him in two and well at that time. Yeah, it had been two and a half years since I had seen him. And even though we had been in contact occasionally for the kids, I hadn't seen him. And so I'll tell you, I was, I was terrified that day because I'm like, and I know you were too. We were both standing there and we were both like shaking like crazy.
1: Yeah, um, I did not quit shaking. I, I was like, what's, you know, just not knowing really what to expect and hadn't exactly hadn't seen him since the start of all the mess. And
0: then, though, I will say, seeing him hide behind the plant... Oh, my um, God,
1: yes.
0: (laughs) ...highly amused me um, and showed me what a coward he absolutely really is. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, I'm not afraid of you anymore. You're just a coward, um, and you're just trying to intimidate.
1: Hiding behind a fake plant. Yeah, (laughs)
0: exactly. And he was literally just trying to intimidate... Um, and I know that he did not expect me to show up. Not um, I know his face was,
1: oh was on his face was priceless
0: pure shock and pure rage. And yes, he was he was enraged. like, rage.
1: fuck, and then just yeah, you could see just the seething anger. Yep, yep,
0: and I, I again I all of a sudden I realized what a fucking coward he really is but in addition to that like we went into the courtroom um it was a little different because you know for me we went in front of a juvenile judge because everything took place in juvenile court since my child was under the age of 18. For you it was in adult court um thankfully they did allow me in the room with you um and when they went over everything and, you know, denied you being able to get it for your children and they were addressing him, are you going to have a problem with this? Keep in mind that this means no physical stalking, no cyber stalking, no phone stalking and all this other stuff. And they, they read mm-hmm. this whole list of things that he cannot do. Yep. And he's like, no, nope, it's fine. I go ahead, do the, the protective order. I'm going to leave her alone. And what a fucking lie that was.
1: Yeah. it It's like you said. In, in my experience as well. The protective order. Has done absolutely nothing. To protect anything. No.
0: It's literally a piece of paper. And you've been followed. Multiple times.
1: Yep. Oh I want to say something real quick about that. Um, yeah look out when when if or when you do um go and file and try to get a protective order for yourself and i didn't know this of course um at the time but look for things or and maybe you can ask for the language like a lot of the restraining orders will have a distance and that's part of um the problem with why he's able to get away with so many violations and they're yes. not actually violations because there is no, oh, he's got, his, you know, a thousand feet or whatever it is.
0: Yes. Unfortunately, they did not put any language in your protective order to where he has to be a certain number of feet away from you. So the times that he has been caught following you. I know. I know behind in his car and things like that and he's followed you into parking lots and things of that nature and every time you've tried to you know call in on the violation they're like well maybe he was at the store for him in his hit for himself and it was just a coincidence that you were there too
1: there's nothing we can do about people driving on public roads correct <laughs> which is
0: just baffling to me because he doesn't live in your town anymore. He lives close by but he doesn't live in your town
1: here he does not work here he, he has, has no, no business to take to work yeah he has no business in my town whatsoever.
0: Yeah he has absolutely none but because there's no language in your protective order stating a, a, a proximity, there's nothing that can be done. And I know you were saying you had called once, and w- what did they ask you? like, how oh, do you know you're being stalked?
1: Yeah. Um, as far as um, what you, you had mentioned uh, when we were talking earlier about, yeah, about how you know the victims are treated and, and turned around and, you know shamed more or, or whatever through the system, I called one time, and the dispatcher asked me, well, what makes you think you're being stalked? (laughs) I said, well, because I am, and there are pending charges against this individual that includes stalking, so that's when she asked for the name and the description. (laughs) And it just,
0: it never ceases to shock me that in this day and age, when we have so much proof historically of criminal behavior stalking and whatnot that the onus of proof is still on the victim and then that proof has to be like actual video physical picture or something like that otherwise they're like oh sorry we don't believe you doesn't count yep and it's almost like, and I hate
1: to write on the line. Yeah. It's not enough.
0: Right. And he knows what that line is. And he, he toes that line very carefully. Um, and what's again, it's, it's almost like sometimes you're like, do I have to present myself as a dead body to be taken seriously? Exactly. And unfortunately it happens
1: actually be done until somebody's dead. And even then half the time, there's not any justice served.
0: No, no, because, Oh, I bet he'd only get like a two year sentence for that rather than, you know, the, the one for assaulting his own child that, that he got. I mean, it's like stalking is such a progressive behavior. People who stalk have have such a twisted mindset and it never just ends at watching from a distance. It always, always escalates.
1: Every single time. And I'd have to look up the exact numbers again, but it's a very high percentage of them that go on for over a year.
0: And we're coming in on a year for you.
1: Yep. And for me,
0: it went beyond a year because he served a year in jail and then started stalking me afterwards until he met you and changed his focus. And moved yeah. out of the area. I think, I, I truly think, had his mom not moved out of the area and he had not lost his home, I think it would have continued. But he was forced To move three hours away. And that's the only thing that stopped him because he had a different focus. Mm -hmm. And he was forced to move three hours away. So he just stopped.
1: Oh, I agree. If he had had easier access, he would have continued. Just just like he's doing with me. We know he's already moved on to new supplies, but Mm -hmm. still...
0: Because you have that close proximity. Yep. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, even just, I think it was just even this week, or maybe even last week, I saw a news article where a podcaster, of all things, had been stalked by someone who was a stranger to her. And it unfortunately escalated to the point that she unfortunately um, lost her life. And again you go through the history of it and there were she repeatedly attempted had restraining orders and whatnot and it didn't matter
1: yeah i I tell the deputy every time you know whoever every time i've had to call i'm like you know look if nothing else can you please note the file do the you know put this in there and I urge everyone to do that for themselves, like document the crap out of every single thing that happens.
0: Right. It's definitely important to have a paper trail for sure. But again, having to force the victim to have that onus of proof is just beyond my comprehension. Um, And the the hoops that we have to jump through in order to prove that we are a victim. Mm hmm. It's so frustrating.
1: Well, and the fact at that the same they, time, we're trying to not feel like a victim and move correct. on to our healing journeys so that, yeah.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And 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 it's such a violating feeling to know that someone's watching you or on your property or, you know, looking in your windows or trying to break into your home or just, it, it's such a violation. You don't and feel it, safe.
1: Yeah. To, no one should have to feel unsafe in their own.
0: Correct. Correct. And given the fact that he has a very extensive criminal history of the same type of behavior, and yet we still, we still are in this cycle of he hasn't even entered a plea for the stalking that occurred with
1: you 10 months ago. I know it is beyond frustrating. I just, <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, again, I was thinking, you know, maybe last week he, it would finally be the time where he had to enter a plea and we can get a trial date because that's all we want is a trial date and, and yeah, in hopes that you hope. can get.
1: Okay. The last time they continued it for three months, surely they'll yeah, just. That's surely enough, right enough time, right? Time. Easy peasy. Nope
0: surely it should be enough time. Um, no. And then they do it again and it's going to happen again next month and it's going to happen again, you know, and it's by the time you actually get to an actual trial date, the restraining order isn't even going to be in effect anymore. And that's heartbreaking. So, unfortunately, Michelle and I don't have the greatest of experience, but we still do encourage people to get a restraining order or a protective order because, again, it creates
1: a paper trail. Yeah, make make a paper trail, go through the process. It is, unfortunately, not designed to actually be in our favor. No. Still get the protective orders, make as many freaking police reports and notes as you have to call every single time
0: and then hopefully once you get to that trial date whomever has to go through this that paper trail will be able to be presented as evidence of their behavior now whether they get locked up for a long time or not um again unfortunately courts are not in favor of the victim they are in favor of the perpetrators yeah
1: yeah don't
0: understand it <laughs> but still call every single time there is a violation just to get that paper trail it's a lot it's an emotional toll um it is worth it in the end if for anything you're not letting your perpetrator silence you right so if anything if anything if if even if they don't and you don't get justice, and they don't serve any time, you're not being silenced, and you're retaining your power and not allowing them to continue to have power over you. And I'm truly hoping over the next several years, the laws will change as more information becomes available. I don't have a ton of hope, but I do have some hope.
1: So again, I do have hope. Um, but man, my, (laughs) the faith that I once had in the legal system is very, very tarnished right now. But, um, but it's sad that there are so many people within the system that they do want to help, but things are written, their hands are tied.
0: Right. Um, I know that I, and I believe you have as well, we've spoken to officers and they're like, I want to help you. I desperately want to help you. Yeah. My hands are tied. My hands are tied. I, I, I believe you. I had me officers exactly. tell me, I believe you. Me too. I can't do anything. I yeah. They're me. like, I just can't and do and anything. I
1: think this is exactly what happened, but I can do about it.
0: Right. Right. I mean, and and it it, it is validating that they believe us, but the fact that they can't do anything about it means the court invalidates us. Yep. But yeah, so again, we do encourage any survivor to file for those protective or restraining orders call for every single violation if they're following you if you see them on your property make sure you alert your neighbors so your neighbors can watch out for you if you have neighbors close by Um, one of the things
1: locations with family and friends all those things
0: absolutely absolutely um i always share my location um the other thing that i would highly highly recommend is having protective measures with you such as Pepper sprays um, protective weapons, um, I know you, me, my adult children, um, we all have uh firearms that
1: yes. we all have multiple forms of of protection on us with wherever we go yes absolutely everywhere we go
0: um you know again, even my adult children also um, have firearms and I highly recommend having cameras inside your home, outside of your home. Um, that way, you know if if you are able to get proof, um, and you know you have them on video or you get a picture of them, you know that goes a lot further in the eyes of the law. Um, you know, and again, when you report that violation, it, it it is in there and it does create the paper trail. I highly recommend people taking self-defense classes. I've done that. My children have done that. Um, in addition to, yes, while we do have firearms, we've all taken classes on that as well in order to make sure that you know if push comes to shove, if my ex ever shows up at my home and tries to break in, I absolutely know how to defend myself. My children absolutely know how to defend themselves. It hey, will be on video <laughs> because I have cameras everywhere. <laughs> my adult children have cameras everywhere. Um, you know, my, my adult children who live outside of my house, they have a dog that will bark. You know, I mean, anything and everything that you can do in order to help protect yourself, do it. Go to yeah. the pound, get a dog that likes to bark and, eat, eat, you know, that that is, that is that five seconds of barking before someone breaks in could be the difference of reaching into a drawer pulling out your firearm or not having any warning or notice at all and being caught completely off guard. It only takes a couple of seconds. Get a dog that barks, make sure you have cameras, make sure that that camera, those things are coming to your phone. So every time a camera is tripped, you get a notification of that. Anything that gives you the slightest bit of advantage against a stalker, against an abuser is absolutely helpful. Yes. So that's, that's my thoughts on it. And my recommendations, I don't know in this episode that I could have done anything differently or that you could have done anything differently to change the outcome.
1: Not we that did everything I, we could. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, just, yeah, everything you said, you said it all beautifully. I don't really have anything to add to that. I have, you know, all of the same suggestions. It's, it's a freaking battle but just do everything that you can to protect yourself and go through the process exactly and and you did
0: say you said it's a grueling process and I it is it's exhausting I can't lie it is absolutely exhausting and I know when I was in the midst of it I was not a like the trial and everything like that and constantly in and out of court every single week for several months. Oh. I had such a difficult time even beginning my healing process. Definitely understand and now that, you know that you're not alone in that. I highly recommend reaching out to um, a d- domestic violence advocate group if you have any in your area or Mm -hmm. a therapist, because it's a lot to handle. It is so much to handle. And if you have the ability to talk to someone about it, it is very, very beneficial. My DV group where I used to live, they would have weekly meetings. They had things set up for the children um, to talk to other kids their own age about things that they've been through. They had meetings for the adults. You know, They're the ones that told me that um, my court system in my county offered a therapy dog to go into court with my child. Um, This therapy dog was trained specifically to help victims and survivors go to court. The dog would be there, the dog would like press up against my child real hard. And it was just something that grounded my child while they were having to testify in front of a judge. Um, Because there was one time um, when we went for the extended protective order for the two years that my child was able to talk to the judge in front of their abuser, in front of my ex-husband who was handcuffed, shackled, and in his prison jumpsuit at the table next to my child. We had the dog and the, thank God for this um, judge, she allowed me to sit up at the table with my kid. So I highly recommend reaching out to a DV group Definitely, if you can reach out to a therapist, there are a lot of programs that are set up for people, wives who've been stay-at-home moms for years and have no money for therapy. They have things that they can offer that are free. So I would absolutely utilize as much as possible those domestic violent resources in your state.
1: Yes, in your state, in your local community, find the nearest shelter, see what resources they have available the domestic violence advocate through the court all of those things and for yeah. me the therapy was a help therapy was definitely
0: helpful for all of us um especially after the whole court process was over um you know two of my kids have been diagnosed with cptsd because of the trauma and therapy has been a godsend for all of us Um, but primarily in this episode, we just want people to know that you're not alone. I know it feels isolating and it does feel lonely. Um, I had a wonderful outpouring of love from friends who would show up in court with me. And so then when you had to start going through this process, I was like, I know like your friend lives out of state and everything like that, and that you're in a small town. And I was like, um, I'm going, I'm going, you need to have someone in your corner. So, you know, you're not alone.
1: Yes. Thank you. That meant a lot to me because I do have an amazing support system. But when it comes to the people that are here in state, yeah, I don't really other than, you know, the kids and my brother, I don't have a lot of people right here that can just, you know, drop and come to court with me.
0: Right, right, right. Um, Yeah, it was hilarious because when 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 we did have different court dates, I would show up with like a whole host of people, and every time it would be a bunch of different people. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I even had friends bringing friends that I didn't even know, just so strengthen numbers. Yeah, and it was just so like so empowering for me. Um, so you know, even if you have to go onto a Facebook group and in your community and say, "Hey." I don't have any family in the area. Is anybody willing to accompany me to court? I just need strength and numbers. I just need, and you know what? There's a lot of people out there that will absolutely do that. I oh, literally yes. had, yeah. I just I had strangers coming, and it meant so much to me, just because I didn't have to be alone. And all these people embraced my children, and you know, all his ex coworkers at the jail. They were constantly in support. You know, they would, our first Christmas, they brought gifts for me. The whole sheriff's office got together and brought gifts for the kids. And, you know, it was just, it, it was so empowering for me to know that I had support. So I, we both recommend, highly recommend reaching out to get support. That way you don't have to go through this alone. It is a grueling and exhausting process, but you don't have to be alone. Exactly. So I guess that's about it for tonight's episode. If anybody has any questions or anything like that, please feel free to reach out to both Michelle and I on TikTok or Instagram or on Facebook. Um, I know we have a lot of friends that are mutuals on here. So if you have any questions or you just need support or anything like that, you just need an ear, please reach out to us because we are more than happy to be that emotional support for
1: you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right, I'll talk to everybody soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye.